And the winner is... Arctic Monkeys! That subscriber content, eh? That subscriber content, it just won't go away. It might hibernate from time to time and sink back into the swamp. I think the cyclical nature of the universe in which it exists demands it adheres to some of its rules. But it's always waiting there, just around the corner, ready to make its way into your ears and smash through the gated payment system. Sounding better than ever. And there's nothing you can do about it. Benefits such as getting ad-free episodes a week early with pre- and post-show chat relating to the monkeys, Last Shadow Puppets episodes, bonus podcasts, watch-alongs, plus helping us improve our sound with better equipment and services. Yeah, this podcast seems like it's fading away sometimes, but with subscribers, it will never die. Thank you very much for listening. We do truly appreciate it. Don't take that the wrong way. Uh, yeah, we'll invoice you for the subscription if we need to. We're Arctic Monkeys, this is Don't Believe the Art. That rock and roll, eh? Ladies! That sound means it's the end of the game. Time for the bonus question. Cheers, dude. That man just yawned. What do you call it, sir? Don't Believe the Hype. Hello and welcome to Don't Believe the Hype, the podcast that has now finished talking about the first two Arctic Monkeys albums, so probably call it a day now. Someone on Twitter said everything after the first two albums is shit, so, and if I'm going to listen to the opinions of anyone, it's Johnny10Numbers on Twitter. Same lineup every week on here, me, Nick Lee, and that place on memory lane you like still looks the same, but something about it changed, it hasn't, I've checked, he's, he's still there. You know, if it walks like Dan Hall, if it talks like Dan Hall, and it shits like Dan Hall, then it's probably Dan Hall. It is. It's Dan Hall. Hiya, Dan Hall. Hello. Yeah, it is. I am Dan Hall. I was veering cl- very closely into Steve Holt territory there. <laughs> Steve, Steve Holt. Yep, that's something that I get regularly. I said Dan I Holt so regularly. many times, I don't think it's real. <laughs> Dan Hall. I don't, I don't think no. your name's real now. You know, you say no, so many times. The, the funny thing with me is, I had a different last name at school for, for different for various for various reasons, and it's a horrible what last name. And well, and then, and then as soon as, um, and I didn't know, but it was a horrible last name. And then when I left school, I found out I, sh- I could have this last name, and I took it. And uh, it's such a good name. I, I don't mind my name, Dan Holt. Like it, I like the way it sounds. But the name I had was horrible. So I, I feel like if I'd gone to school right. with that last name, my whole life would have been different. I, I genuinely think that for the better. <laughs> I think I think I would have been perceived in a different way. I don't know. You know, I think if I if I'd not allowed like teachers You've got a great name to, to call me Nicholas until I was like sixteen, mm. then I think my life would have turned out different. Nick like, Lee's a good name as well. Up. Good pairs, it isn't it? It's like it's a, it's a good it's like, pairs. Host do, do. Nick Lee Dan Holt. Do, 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 do. You could see it in lights. Nick Lee Dan Holt present. I mean, it'd just be some sex show in Amsterdam, but yeah. other than that... <laughs> Your top 10 favourite sex offenders. <laughs> on, ste- on ice. <laughs> Live from <laughs> Strange Rose Prison. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, uh, getting the sex offenders in earlier. Uh, uh, no, now you've reminded me. Of, I haven't been able to get some... Oh, you don't, you don't want to get them out early, early to... unless they've passed the parole. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people can change. Yeah. But they oh, probably, don't. But they probably don't. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, but but I'm uh, I'm here. I was gonna say something else. I'm here. No, nope, you're not. No, I can't, I can't say it. Kind of. But unfortunately, you're probably thinking right now. I wish I hadn't picked up this podcast and pressed play because what are they on about? But I'm afraid if you found this, it's probably too late. 
it's tonight's track that we'll be discussing. Well, of two tracks, you're going to have you know two shorter episodes slipped into your um, purse, <laughs> slips into your uh, feed. Yeah, that's the word, not purse. I <laughs> mean, it sounded very sinister. Didn't it? Right down but, the list. Of the <laughs> like we're following people around, just slipping it in and walking off to all of our listeners. And not slipping it in and walking off, like slipping in the cassette, walking off. Um, but uh, <laughs> but if you found this, it's probably too late. Is our uh, yeah first episode tonight, and then and then we're doing uh, Temptation, Greek Slate, Your Naughty Friend next. But you know that's a whole different story, literally. And but two, two short episodes because we, we didn't feel like we could sustain two full episodes on. Yeah, I don't want to talk about two hours, do we? If if you have found this, it's not too late to go in the episode description and find all our links. You can like, but that's cool, isn't it? You can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, or X, as it's now called, annoyingly. Um, just taking out, oh yeah, just taking out what I did, just an extension of what I did, really. But anyway, shall we? No, call that. It's all it's all synergy, mate. Synergy and bouncing. Here's the question that I have for you. Number one, do we have a live version of the song? I can confirm. Number one, check. Excellent. Check, please. Hopefully not. You want to stick around. Two, <laughs> what's going on? Um, two, are we getting? Are we listening to the full version of it? Because it's short. And I imagine the live version is even shorter than the recorded version. I would imagine. Right on several counts at once. <laughs> if I know Whoa. the band that in 2007 at Leeds Festival or 2006 at Leeds Festival, whenever it was, that my mum walked into the living room and went, they play a bit fast, don't they? Then they will be playing this a bit shorter than that, I would imagine. Yeah, the 21st so, uh, century answer to George Formby. Let's have a listen. <laughs> I smell the Brian Storm drums happening next. <laughs> yes, you do indeed. Correct. That's from May the 28th, 2007 at Pink Pop Festival in Landgraf, Netherlands. That was the eighth track on the set list. Uh, sandwich in between Dance Floor and, you guessed, Dan, Brian Storm. Yes, it was the Brian Storm drums coming in I next. I could just tell Helders was getting ready. to. Yeah, yeah I could just yeah. see it happening. Uh, speaking of Helders, I know I say this pretty much every week, but... Very good live there, those drums. Absolutely banging. All around, but I feel like that's post him seeing the famous story of him seeing the Queens of Stone Age at a festival in between albums and realising he needs to hit the drums harder, even though he was already hitting them pretty hard at that point, but he needed to hit them even harder. And he is hitting those drums hard there, not just speed, accuracy, and uh, creativity, but also absolutely pommeling them. Um, But shall we have some information on that? tune much better live that i think actually much prefer it live than 
I like it, but it's I like the live version a lot. It's just fun in it. Good crowd, Razor. You felt like you were going somewhere, but it turned out you weren't. Um, no, it's usually that's what I thought about my life. Um, right, so <laughs> if, you, if, you, if you found this, it's probably too late. Is the first B side on the Brian Storm single, and unusually, it opens the track listing, which is normally reserved for the actual single release track. Even weirder because it's the first single, so the song was released three weeks before the album of the 2nd of April 2007. So, for the lead single to not be the opening track almost makes it EP esque. Which is funny because who the fuck are we wasn't allowed to be a single as it had just one extra track than <laughs> this single does, yeah. Um that is unusual, isn't it? But although it may open the sing it may open the single because it seems this song was considered for the opening of the album. Mr. Matthew held as the third said they thought about opening the album with something silly like strings. Oh, just you wait, Matthew. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> but they decided just to go the no-nonsense route and just start with Brian Storm instead. So maybe they said, let's at least open the single with that idea. Maybe that was the reason. I can imagine that being the case. The song is a mere 1 minute and 34 seconds long, making it the third shortest Arctic Monkeys song with, if you remember... Sticking to the floor being the shortest, which is funny because we couldn't find an instrumental version of this track for the opening of this pod for subscribers or for our listening to make notes at home. But there wasn't an instrumental for sticking to the floor, if I recall. So someone bothered for that, but didn't bother for this. Weird. But um, okay, so this is the third shortest Arctic Monkeys song. Sticking to the floor is the first. Should we play the bonus round jingle? Yeah, I mean, we might as well. I don't have a clue, but we, we <laughs> might as well. That sound means it's the end of the round. Time for the bonus question. So what's sandwiched in the middle there is the second shortest thing. I can see you Googling. Yeah, you're not going to fool me, son. I'm, I'm making notes, thank you very much. Yeah, so someone has to make notes Google. for the episode description, don't they? <laughs> um, I genuinely don't know. G genuinely. Give me, give me an era. It's going to be a B-side, Humbug. Humbug B-side. There you oh, go. for fuck's sake. It's narrowed it down, but not. I can't. I can't. Oh, Sketchhead. No, unfortunately not. It was. I haven't got my strange. Yeah, I've, I would have done a few more before I got to that, I think. I love that song. It's got one of my favourite Alex lyrics in it as well, but we'll get we'll get to that in due course. You know which one um, it is? Do you know which one it is? Does it involve a garment of clothing? It doesn't involve down. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it has 3.7 million streams on spot. This one has 3.7 million streams on Spotify, which is quite the drop down from last week, obviously, with 505 being 1.2 billion, but um, yeah, quite, quite significantly a drop down, yeah, um, but to be expected, really. It is 120 beats per minute and is in the key of E minor. Wrong key, though. Other key tracks in E minor are the song that turned Dave Grohl from one of the coolest guys ever into everybody's favourite rock dad. It's Best of You by Foo Fighters. Summertime Sadness by former pop star Lana Del Rey, who is still preparing and serving waffles in your local neighbourhood. 
There you go. Have you seen that story? Oh, I, thought, that strange. I, I, thought, I thought I thought you were going to say it's still preparing for her Glastonbury show. <laughs> <laughs> she was like forty-five minutes late. No, after, after they turned the lights off, she gave up and started. Have you not seen? She's, she's working in some LA waffle house serving waffles or whatever. It's very bizarre. At first, I thought it was a PR stunt, but she seems to be there too much now. I don't know. She just gave up after Grumpful they turned the lights off. Cut her off at Glastonbury. She went fuck this industry. Back to selling waffles, where I was happy. Um, <laughs> simple life sometimes is the best. Um, I suppose already being a millionaire will take the sting out of having to be poor selling waffles, won't it? It's like I, I, I'd probably have the opposite effect for me, though, where I wouldn't, wouldn't really wake up in the morning and go, I really don't want to go to work today, and go, oh, I remember I'm a millionaire pop star. I don't have to. <laughs> That's probably what, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and lastly, the song that haunted anyone whose friend thought their mum was attractive. Stacy's Mum by Fountains of Wayne. Funny, was it? Years of therapy. Is that funny, is it? Um, this song has been played live in a surprisingly high 30 times. I don't think it'd be 30, but there you go. Firstly, on April 9th, 2007, at the Southampton Guildhall. Southampton. And lastly, yep, usually where the Southampton Guildhall is found. Um, and lastly, June 1st, 2007, at Rock AM Ring festival so it lasted less than two months in the set which to be honest is a good innings for this type of songs if you uh yeah. if you ask me nick to be quite honest with you i think that's a, it's a good outing um they gave it to the europeans as well like germany getting it for rock and ring like the netherlands getting it for pink pop it's like it's like they knew back then already that the the uh continentals would appreciate the change of direction more they knew Yes, because that is true, yeah. yeah. Um, no further information for this one, but I discovered this Radio X article titled Why You Need to Let Go of the Old Arctic Monkeys, which is very on point for what you just said, funnily it's enough, without you realising it. Article. Oh, Why, you need... Like yourselves here. <laughs> Why You Need to Let Go of the Old Arctic Monkeys by Jenny Mensah, um, and I quite liked it, so um, unrelated, although perhaps maybe not unrelated given the lyrical content of this song um, and what you just said as well um so they've said and this was a recent article before they did the emirates so um they said however some fans have noticed alex turner sounds slightly different on stage when the front man choosing to change up the tempo and cadence of the melody to some other band's classic tracks while the band are offering plenty of tracks from across their early days some fans still bemoan having to sit through their works from 2022's the car and 2018's tranquility base hotel and Catino. to those still shocked that arctic monkeys have changed their sound or that alex has changed up his performance style somewhat then we've got some bad news for you the arctic monkeys of yesteryear are long gone and are never coming back they are probably never going to look and sound like they did when they released their debut album in 2016. In fact, they'll probably never make another album like 2013's AM if they can help it. Very true. Luckily, we have great news. If you're desperately trying to reconcile how the bands once were with how they were today, sorry, with how the band once were with how they are today, we have the perfect solution. Don't. Don't bother yearning for the naughties, rascals who release whatever people say, and that's what I'm not, because they don't exist anymore. But how do you let go of your feelings of anchor, resentment, and betrayal when your favourite band changes things up? First of all, let us let's use some good old fashioned common sense. 
When Arctic Monkeys first formed in 2002, their quick-witted frontman would only have been around 16 years old. Now, we're not sure about you, but we were pretty bloody useless at 16 and had little to no life experience at all. I like this. This is exactly what I've been saying for you. <laughs> well, who's this Jenny? She could be mates of us. We get her on. So I'll message her and get her on. When the band released their debut album in 2000, not for nefarious reasons, just because she sounds like we'd be good friends. When the band I mean, released I didn't their... think it was for nefarious reasons, but now you've said... Yeah, but I feel like whenever you're involved, because you've got the stench of a single man, I have to kind of subdue it. Like, people know I'm not, but <laughs> when the band released their day... I found Jenny on uh, LinkedIn anyway, so... You, you oh, that was quick, wasn't it, for someone that wasn't being creepy? When the band well, no, released their debut album in 2006... She's also on Twitter. 20. <laughs> okay, so our early 20s were absolutely class. For most of us, this meant less stress, less money, worries, more time in your hands and a lot less responsibility. But can you really ever imagine going back? Or can you imagine anyone telling you that you had to stay exactly the same as you were back then? It's hard for most people to imagine looking the same, acting the same, dressing the same, or even talking the same as they did over 15 years ago. So why do we expect it from our bands? Plus, throwing a few life-changing experiences, such as traveling the world, playing its biggest venues, working with some of the biggest musicians on the planet, and having kids, all but Alex Turner have become fathers. Is it any wonder that they've changed? If we assume that no one really expects Arctic Monkeys to be talking about pulling in Nights Out in Sheffield, then let's tackle the music instead of its lyrical content. What if you coped with the albums that followed after their debut, but you think it's all gone a little bit too far? Well, to be honest, you've got a fair point. The car and tranquility bass are a far cry from Favourite Worst Nightmare, Humbug, or even AM. If you've given their new material good old go, you're still not keen. That's fair enough. But have you considered the idea that their best work is yet to come? Oh, I like this. After all, if Radiohead would have stuck to their winning formula after the Benz in 1995, they probably would have ended up being just another post-Brock pop indie band and even when we thought they'd peaked again with the acclaimed okay computer in 1997 they completely shocked us with kid a and the incredible game changing in rainbows 2007 speaks for itself love them or loathe them their ability to change music up have given them a longevity they may have never experienced if they didn't flip the proverbial the proverbial script with their loyal fans if the beatles started as they meant to go on they probably would have just stayed as a regional beat group playing old school r&b toe tappers in and around europe instead they diversified changed up their sound experimented with new recording techniques and transformed the world when it came to music fashion and even politics by 1965, Bob Dylan was held as the spokesman of a generation and deemed one of the leading voices of the American folk revival. But when Robert Zimmerman went electric, there was a mighty uproar from the fans and the critics alike. Despite the backlash at the time, plugging in paid off for the Nobel Prize for literature-winning singer-songwriter who continues to be a legendary icon. We think that's what you call having the last laugh. Um, if you need any more obvious examples, then see David Bowie. Um, so... Sticking to a formula has its merits, but if we want Arctic Monkeys to achieve legendary status, we've got to let the old idea of them go. This means accepting that we might not like their music or their performance style all the time. Some of us will go with them on the journey and some of us will get off at this stop. But isn't it more exciting than just knowing what to expect? Just like our 20s, we still have the music and the memories to look back on, but we largely accept our lives aren't the same. Growing up is hard to do, but we've all got to do it. So why not just let Alex, Matt, Jamie and Nick get on with it? I like that. I like that. And I is it into my the best is yet to come that they're working towards a legendary status album. Like I think they've got another they've got another AM in them, but not AM. AM bigger album than AM in them in terms mm. of a, like an album of like songs that'll go down as and they've already kind of got that, but kind of like an an album that'll go down as like the way people talk about OK Computer and the Beatles albums and things like that. Like, you know. I think that's coming. I genuinely think that's coming. I could be wrong. 
but just enjoy the ride. As everyone gets upset, that's what she's saying, really. I like that. Good, good article that though from Jenny Mensa. It almost uh, it helps me get right. over the fact that her t- her Twitter is full of her commentary on Love Island. You've ruined that now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But her, yeah. her Instagram is. You've her ruined her opinion now. So, so <laughs> yeah. You know, a lot of people like Love Island, ironically. So let's give her that. Shall we play the reviews? They do, don't Jingle. They? It's mad, isn't it? Let's go mental. Yes, let's. To put it in context, the, the way you feel about people that watch Love Island, and I feel pretty much the same way, is the way I feel about people that like Harry Styles and Taylor Swift. So, and not Taylor Swift as much, but more Harry Styles. Um, so yeah, just to put it into context, that's how I how you feel about them. Yeah, well, it's how I feel I about you. <laughs> I don't listen. To, I don't listen to them night after night and tweet about them though. Whereas people watch. I can forgive you like seven because you've got so Could many other thanks. redeeming qualities, but um, those other yeah. people usually don't. So, but not many sure. reviews as you can imagine for this one. But I did find a blog by the Physical Jerk. I've gone to blogs for this one. The band channeled unimaginable pressure at following up their smash debut into a blistering minute and a half tackling self-doubt and imposter syndrome. It begins with uncanny waltzing strings before Matt Helders propels the track into a screeching, shredding monster with a speed metal drumline. Then Turner unleashes four couplets that would obliterate every other song ever written about industry pressures and the perils of making it big. It's scathing, painful, on-the-nose stuff delivered with breathless frustration at breakneck speed. The song only lets up when Turner is seemingly out of air, leaving just enough room for a lacerating riff by Jamie Cook. Almost every element of this track could be repurposed to great effect at some point on Favourite Worst Nightmare. But if you found this, it's probably too late. Manages to marry them together to reach a level of exhilaration seldom matched by the band. Hmm. Um, and o- it. Yeah. Over to the... Perhaps a little bit too fond of it um one might say but over to the enemy's greatest over to the enemy's greatest list and they put this at number 99 so right there at the the end near enough um saying on this so-so b-side scatterbrain melodies fight for dominance in a pretty claustrophobic space there is a lot going on here that's it that's all they had to say so this one how do you feel about this one as a yes i mean it's it's just what it is isn't it it? is what it is yeah yeah lyrically Lyrically and thematically, shades of shades of vampires, shades of who the fuck are Arctic monkeys, and then musically, it's well, it's anyone's game. But I'm, I'm getting I'm getting Plastic Tramp, I'm getting Pretty Visitors early on, like an, an mm. album ahead. It's yeah. How about you? Yeah, I think it 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 was interesting to first hear it because we'd never like I was very surprised because like we say it was it was pre-album. Um, and it was like we hadn't we'd only heard Brian Storm, I think, when this came out. Maybe, maybe Teddy Picker, I don't know, but I think it was just Brian Storm. And then you hear this first, and then Brian Storm, and, and you think, oh, what's this album? And so you kind of had a perception of what the album was going to be, which Brian Storm aside, up until this house is a circus, the album doesn't really have like this free tracks aside, which are probably this house is a circus, Brian Storm, if you're there, beware. The rest of the album doesn't really sound like this at all, but I had assumed that this is what the album was going to sound like, I think. Um, but yeah, it, it was different, and I, I like it. I like it as a, like a little, you know, it's a cool little rock song. And it, it looked good live, though. I, I don't think I've ever seen it live. I can't remember. But, um, no, I think, no, obviously not, if it was only that time, yeah. Um, but yeah, it looked like it was a little fun tune live. It's got a good um, message as we get to the lyrics, but 
Um, couldn't just to look, I couldn't find any info on where the strings came from, and I know you couldn't either. I even tried shazamming them by playing it on my computer, and, and it just came up with this song. So, um, but very we were speaking about Blur in the pre-show chat. If anyone wants to become a subscriber, um, on Patreon, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts, then we always talk about music in the pre-show chat, and we did a little rundown of the Blur's new album, The Ballad of Dalaran because Damon Albarn has been quite vocal about his Alex Turner, Arctic Monkeys-related influences on this one, and it's produced by James Ford. Um, but I feel like the opening to this and the way it comes in is very Blur-like, actually, to be honest, with those kind of strings and then a song coming in. Reminded me of a Blur Zoom. Helder Scream and Countdown there. A little cheeky Helder Scream you get. Yeah. Always good. Always good. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the lead, I guess, is, is what was very unlike them, the lead guitar. Like It feels like them now, because we have the context of everything that's to come well, the in time. the next album or so. But at the time, no, it, it's it felt like I spent a little bit Queens of Stone Age, I guess, a little bit, which kind of makes sense for what was to come. But... <laughs> Um, the actual riff for the verses, though, when it changes from that opening to the is just is is very them, though, isn't it? It's it's, it's just a bit heavier than like Brian Storm. It's just like Brian Storm in it, really, that kind of thing. But... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what can you say? That I love the drums in the verses. So good. He's really going for it, like we said on the live one. Um, bass is pretty banging as well. Nick's first. This was the first track we heard of Nick, technically, of the one he'd written. No, sorry, second second track we'd heard of Nick. Left the verse, sorry, so, yeah. yeah, bass pretty banging. It's just a fun tune, isn't it? It's got a good... I like the... I like... At the time, I liked the sound. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And now going back with the context of everything that's game, I like it even more because I go, oh, okay, I can see this is the band that are about to become Humbug Band and so on. So, yeah, nothing nothing bad to say about it. It's short, sweet, and to the point, I guess. Yeah. Well, the lyrics, so you've alluded kind of to it there. What do you think this one is about? Well, I, um, I, wrote, I wrote imposter syndrome down, which was the same phrase that came up in uh, the, the the blog you just read in the review section, but it is it's very much that just again the you know um, we'll stick to our guns motto that was set out in Who the Fuck Are Arctic Monkeys. It's very mm. much, very much that. but a bit bit more almost a bit more thoughtful, almost a bit unsure in this one compared compared yeah. to Arctic Monkeys where it's all this is what's happening, this is what we think about it. It's well, Arctic Monkeys is a like sticking two fingers in it. Yeah, yeah. Well, this, this one is almost like a stream of consciousness, like thinking out loud. A bit more like the um, sort of what we've heard on the on um, the album, I guess, about fame and stuff, and some of the this house is a circus stuff and that. Like, I think actually specifically, you're right. You're right. The imposter syndrome and that. But I actually think specifically, perhaps the fear of bringing out a second album 
a follow-up because everyone always says following up uh, an, an amazing first album with a, with a second album is like terrifying and the fear of, of that follow-up and the pressure and how it'll be perceived that's what i think the song's about because he says um someone's perception trying not to bore i'm a cold-hearted kidder applaud applaud if you're the highest bidder i'm yours so for me that's like trying not to bore people with their perception so he he plays the part of that cold sarcastic you know that kind of thing he was doing at the time kind of liam gallagher-esque type and they applaud and lap it up his kind of like catty comments and stuff like that and him trying to seemingly be outside the industry and that kind of performance um yeah. And I think that highest bidder on yours is like saying he'll do what he needs to do to please the crowd almost with, with him doing that and get a, a clap for it. It's funny because they've never done what we expected. We always say they never do what we expect them to do and they never do stuff for the sake of it. And they've always had those mantras. But I think maybe internally, Alex feels like he does in his performance as a front man, sometimes please the gallery or do what's kind of expected of him, which I think he's now stopped doing and let go of, and he's just doing what he wants to do quite clearly, which is nice, actually, I think. Yeah, he's got second guessing it. Can, no. can, I, can, I, can I break, just to give you some breaking news here, a little, little bit of on-the-spot research that I've done, and I've, I've solved the mystery of the classical music at the start. You certainly can. Come in. Break in, break right. in, I might edit in a little breaking news thing here. A search for the lyrics on Google and then a scroll to the bottom says songwriters Alex Turner slash Jules Buckley. So I thought, oh, I'll, go I'll Google Jules Buckley. And it, it brought me to a Wikipedia page for Jules Buckley. And yeah, it sounds familiar. Uh, Jules Buckley, born 8th of January 1980. It's a similar age to the band. Starters. I'm thinking of James Sing Buckley, I think. You are thinking of James Buckley, yeah, <laughs> probably. Well, it's not James Buckley. Completely Thank right. God. He's an English conductor, composer, and arranger. Mm. So he he was part of the the Heritage Orchestra, where the intention was to feature an orchestra in a music club setting. He's done loads of cool stuff with like he's been creative artist in residence with the BBC Symphony Orchestra. Done stuff on Radio Three. But the most interesting part is his discography. And God. there's an interesting one. In 2007, if you found that it's probably too late with Arctic Monkeys. Now, he was also, he also has a credit for the year before for Baby I'm Yours. So he uh, must have uh, arranged the orchestral uh, movements for that. For that. Um, Why is he not credited officially anywhere else? Then that's odd, isn't it? Very strange. But looking at his, let's have a look. Other collaborations have included projects with Tori Amos, Basement Jacks, Massive Attack. Arctic oh. Monkeys, John Cale from the Velvet Underground, Paul Weller, Emily Sanday, Dizzy Rascal, who'll come up very soon. Uh, Jamie Cullum. Yeah, so that's... I'm so glad we've, we've solved that. And he, he's done some really, really cool stuff. He's been, in, been involved with doing the BBC proms quite a lot. And he does a lot of these, these like classic dance music link-ups that you see now. So it'd be like Ibiza Classics orchestrated and that sort of thing. So he, he does, a, right. does a fair bit of that by the looks of it. Good on Very him. good. Very interesting. Well, that's good. Yeah, I've, I didn't, I'm we, made up with that. I'm going to call it a night now. I'll, right, well, 
So you like yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, generally, we don't really need you, so that's all right for my go. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there was a minute there where my heart stopped when you went um, and it collaborated and it, one of the credits and you went Alex Turner slash, and then you paused and I thought, is the end of that sentence slash? Is that who's going to have done this? <laughs> you did too long a pause and I thought, hang on. <laughs> you Alex Turner slash and slashed at the uh, strings for this one. <laughs> I mean, don't don't you feel stupid for telling me off for being on Google earlier? No, not really. That we were in a very specific bonus round moment where you're not allowed to cheat. So I think I think the fact that I wasn't cheating, I was finding the answer. I know, <laughs> but but I'm not. If you all right, so if you if you if you were on um right, so you're in the middle of fucking an episode of Pointless, and you and you you get your phone out, and Alexander Owen goes, oh, cheat. And then you and then you go. Well, actually, my wife found out my wife's dead. Don't you feel silly now, Alexander? And he go. Well, this is well, definitely no. comfortable. Well, no, because in the in the context in the context of this, I'm supposed to notice that you're on your phone. So no, I don't feel sorry about it. And I'm glad your wife's dead. I get off my stage. <laughs> it's changed since Richard left. I just gone really downhill. <laughs> but um, but no, yeah. So no, I don't feel sorry because if you you're in a bonus round, if I told you off for going on that when we were just in the middle of the pod, then yeah. But no, it was a specific bonus round. So no, I got to catch well, cheaters I, out. I think the the long and short of it is well done, Nick. I think. Well, yeah, very good, very good information. Can I, can I, put a, can I get a sticker? Uh, a, yeah. A, a train ticket. Got a train ticket. I'll just stick that. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. Where's the train ticket for? It's um, Stockport. Oh, well, fuck it. <laughs> for everyone listening, he... Oh, we'll leave that as a treat for the subscribers, actually, that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> valid for one journey from Stockport to Poynton, 16th of June, 2023. Ah, for your old job. For the old job. Yeah. Can you? Are they um, claim-backable expenses? No, no, they're not. No. Ah. That's a shame. No. That is a shame. Um. So anyway, I was saying that the the very good that's cleared something up. That's yeah, because that has that will have nagged at me that. So, um, probably a lot of people knew that either because I searched Google for that and I didn't spot it. So probably quite new information for a lot of people. Although I'm going to tell you, what, your shirt is your t-shirt is very distracting tonight. It's making some strange patterns in the camera and it's keeps luring me. In. <laughs> magic eye. It's like one of Miles Kane's videos. Or, or how, what it looks like imagining Miles Kane's bedroom when he turns the lights off when the women enter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and the ceiling starts revolving, spinning. Revolving bed yeah. like Austin Powers. Oh no, it's, it's not revolving. It just seems like that once you've got back into it. <laughs> She's revolving. Um, <laughs> but the... <laughs> takes effect. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, he's... he's for the, uh, he does his performance as the front man. Is, um, yeah, in his performance as the front man, it's... Um, it's a lot like being a stand-up, I suppose, where you 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 project in a, a personality that isn't necessarily you, you know, on the yeah. stage, and maybe he's rejecting that. But but then he says, you figure out pathetic sets. We're not sure of the etiquette. We think out pathetic sets. We're not sure of the etiquette. So like, is that like literally them figuring out sets, like like that have gone bad? Pathetic sets, someone and thinking them out and figuring out how to make them better and. They're not sure of the etiquette of what they're supposed to do to appease a crowd, a crowd handle, or something yeah, like that. Is that? I yeah? suppose that they were at a point where they didn't necessarily have that many songs either. So, I mean, I don't think many crowds were turning on him. To be honest, I think it was in his head. Like, but oh yeah, it's definitely in his head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the base because oh, this would this would have been pre Glastonbury. To be fair, because he referenced it at Glastonbury, didn't he? Say, so, you know, and people thought we didn't have enough tunes to headline. Oh, Gallagher. Specifically, uh, uh, twat. But they, 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 <laughs> shit, shit eyebrows and he shit music and he shit opinions <laughs> and just 
being shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, they, they would have... Cause this would we have are been, starting an Oasis uh, podcast, now. I'm joking. Just in time for the reunion. I mean, <laughs> someone, someone should. If you don't, ITV will. <laughs> I'd rather not, to be honest. I don't, I don't think the Oasis fans would enjoy hearing me go, mm, I don't like that one for for for, for four years. Um, yeah. And if you... I mean, oh, it's too much of a chorus, though. Because it's a but, fan podcast, um, you really have to generally be positive as a fan podcast, because that's the whole point. Luckily, that's why you only do it about bands that you really love. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I, I do think that. And, and then he says, and if you found this, it's probably too late. Clinically cynical, hereditary hate, which I really love. I always want to say that. If you found this, probably too clinically cynical, and hereditary hate. Um, yeah, if, I've always thought as that as like if if this is what I mean about it being about the, this album, about the the fears of releasing the album. It's like I always thought as if if you found this follow up that's different to the first one and might not be as good. It's probably too late to go back. You might hate them now, or something, which is quite obviously because people are people are clinically cynical and have hereditary hate, or oh, that's the band being cynical of their own work and hereditary self hate coming in, self loathing, self doubt that we all have. Do you know what I mean? I imagine um, he's being clinically cynical and he's got some self hate, perhaps. It's also a bit meta as well with the if you mm. found this, it's probably too late. Saying like, well, if you found this song and listened to it then we've already recorded and released it. We've already done the stuff we were worried about. Everything we are worried about, we've had to press forward and do it. Yeah. So it's like, like finding a little note from past Alex. Yeah. Not a suicide note, just a normal note. Just a, just a normal note. Not as, good, yeah. not as good as the note he wrote to Alexa, though. That's, that's the uh, pinnacle of an Alex mm-hmm. note, isn't it? Yeah. Very sweet. Don't. I'll cry. Yeah. Um, I've, I've, again... I've got my save to send to someone one day. <laughs> one day I'm passing that off as my own. One day. And then they'll find out and they'll dump you. That'll be the tragedy of it. Because the, the one amazing yeah. thing that you did for them was forgery. Yeah. <laughs> and I can guarantee she'll be the one as well. Yeah. She's the one. Um, again, maybe though, why it was considered as the opening of the album, because it's about that, mm. you know, this this whole there's, era, I suppose. It's a mission statement being set out that early on. You know what? Kind of a bit like an early sculptures lyrically as well. Because that kind of says about being um, incredible news. Um, sorry about the um, what's the, you know what's the line? Well, your horrible, horrible new, new sound. sound. Yeah, it's a bit of self about the tranquility, perhaps, and that kind of yeah. that kind of time. So it feels like a bit bit of this era version of that. Yeah, bit of self doubt. And it says approaching the pinnacle and running out of mates. So I mean, that's like because it if you found this album, you've heard the new stuff. And you you don't like it, people you think they've reached the pinnacle of their success with the first one. Yeah, and now all the poses the hangers on. The hangers on, they're disappearing if this album doesn't go down well. Yeah, which I imagine is what happens. That's the thing, when you're the big thing, once you're not the big thing, they all fuck off, don't they? But luckily Arctic Monkeys ride rode that wave to the top, baby. Now they're not coming down. Um how 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 wrong he was, I suppose, about this album's reception and this being the pinnacle, perhaps, because this this album, I think, certainly went down a storm, a Brian storm. Without a doubt, it did. If we concentrate on being off the cuff, not sure already, but probably rough, frightened that honesty isn't enough and it's nothing on the early stuff. So again, it's like, is it like, so like, we're just off the cuff about stuff and just doing a lot quickly. It's almost like they can't face any downfall if they just do it off, off the cuff. They're just doing it as they go. And like you said, propelling themselves forward, doing the what they've got to do. And and they might not be ready to launch this, but it's at least rough, you know. It might not be that they've done what they can to get it as good as they need it to be. Um, and then I suppose the 
frightened that honesty isn't enough is like scared that just being honest about everything and doing it your way won't be enough in this industry. You have to play the game. And they were kind of like the last band that, that didn't play the game. So, you yeah. know, they're a bit um, worried about that. Um, it's nothing on the early stuff is a very astute observation of what people might say and critique them even to this day. Lyrically, this this could have been on the car, this album, lyrically. Yeah, well, I mean, that's why I thought that article as well rang true with these lyrics because of stuff like that, you know, about, about letting go of the past because, yeah. you know, that even to this day, I mean, I must hear every time Adam could do anything in comment sections must be nothing, not as good as the early days or whatever. Must, basically, people still use the phrase. It's not as good as the early stuff, so yeah. Well, I mean, um, I, I said, I, I was one of them wankers who said that when the album, when the first album came out, I was like, not, not as good as Boardwalk, that was it. And then I grew up. <laughs> well, I mean, it's definitely yeah. better than Boardwalk. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you know, at the, you know, at the time when you want to be a gatekeeper about these things, and you're just like, yeah, I mean, the, the album's good, but you, you, you really want the demos, you know? That's that's, that's, yeah. what, that's well, where there the was real a, is. There was a lot of people that were upset with the album because it had just all the songs that were on beneath the Boardwalk, and people wanted new stuff. But you know, that's how's it works. If you're gonna get, if you're gonna get in that early, yeah. If if you're gonna get it that early then yeah. then you got there's a lot of people that work with heard them that didn't get beneath the boardwalk so yeah you can't, you can't get in a band that early and then moan that the first album features a lot of songs that you've already heard it's like no, nobody has pre-album first album material and then bins it all and just does a whole new album <laughs> the first album that's not how it works because that first Maybe. album that material's got them signed so you won't yeah. be able to turn around to the label and go we're not going to record any of those songs that you like we're going to go and do something else actually we want to <laughs> sign you so you can produce these great songs properly <laughs> how it yeah. tends to work I mean, go, we're going to put them in the bin people getting that deep into the demos and stuff like that maybe should have I mean, no one's going off to one side listening to the hard fi demos are they and then when they bring <laughs> them out on the album they're going oh no even from, the, even from the start people whinging at these types of bands that are seminal it's outrageous um, but no, that's it. That's the lyrics. I think, yeah, it's it's a cool tune about a bit of self doubt about the new era and perfect to open the new era with. Uh, in terms of the band, not us, we've, we're well deep, but but um, perfect for the, for the band to open that single with it. Pretty much, yeah. The first CD you got. Oh, we had CDs. Should we do our favourite lyrics of it then, or whatever? Yeah, this will take a while to sift. <laughs> Too busy with the mind on clever lines. Um, probably frightened that honesty isn't enough and it's nothing on the early stuff. I like, I like that. Same. That's, that's, it was either that or clinically cynical hereditary hate. I me. do like the way that he does that because I'd find that I yeah, find that quite hard to do that fast, isn't it? Yeah, I'd find yeah. that really hard to do that. Very pretty visitors. Very. Yeah. Um, a favorite musical moment. It's the drums, is it not? Probably. I'm going to say the lead guitar, though, because that's the thing that stands out when I think of the song, though. But but the drums and bass do nail it. So, but but the lead guitar to give Jamie, is it Jamie? Oh, well, I think it's Alex. It might be Alex on the lead in this one. I'm Jamie's not... juice, but I'm trying to think from the video we just watched. But I think it was. Uh... Play five seconds of it just to <laughs> clarify. <laughs> oh, I've deleted it. Fuck's sake. Oh, bloody hell. Oh, sorry. I'm pretty sure it was Alex, actually. But um, 
yeah, I think it was. But either way, give them both credit. Um, but yeah, yeah you, well, bloody you, done, lads. You've got a great future ahead of you. And don't worry, everyone, because that is the end of this episode. But you're probably thinking, 45 minutes, my God, they finally tightened it up. Well, no, because then you'll auto-play into the next song, won't they? Shall we just leave, we just leave it like that? There's no point in saying bye, so we just go, auto-play into the next song. Next song, Unless auto-play into the next how they have podcast. it sorted on Spotify, though, doesn't it? Because if, if you have, like, the newest podcast at the top, then it plays down the list, I've noticed. Yeah, I don't handle people that do that. I switched it around. It creeps me out that to have the... I have to have it in downward order, so I have to have... Same. The newer stuff down there at the bottom. Same. That, that's to... the, the right way to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It well, why else me... would you make a podcast interface that goes the wrong way through them when you sort it the way? I don't understand it. Yeah, it's like sort of <laughs> nails on a chalkboard. That for me. But um, I'll add that to my list of things I don't understand. Like well, uh, Apple Podcast, which I would say is the um better. Even though more people use Spotify, I think generally because it's worldwide obviously you have to have an iphone to have a podcast but but generally that system is that it, it plays the thing and then it queues up you, it doesn't auto play but it, it queues up your next so it'll pop up your mm-hmm. next one to listen to that you haven't listened to your newest one in your feed and you can either choose to play it or you can go to your feed and pick a different one but that's i like that help just auto plays that's a good one um but yes um spotify is an odd one because it's like when i go when we look because we listen to these track by track and like today i listen to if you found this it's probably too late it doesn't just play into because I found the song individually and clicked it, it doesn't just play into Brian Storm. It then just like it, it brought up like this house of the circus, and then after that, it'll bring up like DMAs or something. Like I don't know what the strategy is. Like you know, it'll just go <laughs> boom, 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 boom round. This sounds similar. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like a sort of pinball machine. Their algorithms. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, no. So we just, so we just, we're just going to transition, and hopefully. Uh, hopefully you <laughs> you these days how you, sta- after you, how you said it uh, after you started the pod but um no, you word according to the one. people that get shoved into my twitter feed despite me never interacting with them <laughs> and again we're on the right side of this argument right we're not on the i mean not the right wing side I'll the right the right you, side I think right. I'll, I'll tell you what side i'm on <laughs> when, when we're off air they need telling dan the right way, <laughs> the right just way for the avoidance yeah. of doubt, yeah, 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 just so we don't get destroyed, yeah, yeah. We, Sometimes I, I skirt the fine line between performance art and actual bigotry, and people it confuses people. Mm. And then using the word skirt as well in this during this conversation is yeah. confusing as well, so yeah, feels trouser, like, you know. skirt, whatever makes you feel free, whatever lets the boys breathe or girls. Temptation greets you like your naughty friend coming up next. <laughs> Hi, everyone, <laughs> bye. <laughs> I Believe the Hype is hosted and produced weekly by Nick Lee and Dan Holt. Music used in the titles is royalty-free music courtesy of Les FM. Don't forget to subscribe on your podcast player of choice to be notified every Wednesday when a new episode is released. And if you want to help us out further, be sure to like and review to help make us more visible to like-minded souls. We'll see you next week with more of the same.